Welcome to the High Action Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John Story, with the New West Guitar Group, and joined with me here are the other members in the trio, Will Brom and Perry Smith. On today's episode, we are going to dig into sight reading, why we do it, why it's hard to do it, and some approaches for all of us as guitarists to learn how to become more effective sight readers. But before we begin with this episode, I'd like to remind everybody that this podcast is made possible by Radial Engineering. They're creator of audio solutions for recording studios and live stages from direct boxes to unique switchers and reamp devices. So visit www.radialeng.com for more information. Well, fellas, it's a strong start to 2020 here. We are getting our New Year's resolutions together like we heard in the last week's episode. And, uh, you know, I, I, one of the classic things that I think all of us guitar players tend to neglect or put on the back burner, and maybe some of us don't even want to admit it, is, uh, is just finding a way to sight read as a part of our normal routine. So I'm just curious, Perry, have you done any sight reading yet this year? This year? Yeah, I've done a little bit of sight reading, uh, but not enough. Can you ever do enough sight reading, John? I think so. <laughs> I think there is a point where you can do enough of it, but, but we'll figure that out later. How about you, Will? Have you sight read in 2022 yet? <clears throat> well, no, but Honestly? Like the, week, the oh. week before. The week before, I sight read okay. for like two hours because I didn't want to have headphones on. I was waiting for this heritage to get delivered. Yeah. So I was like, I'll hear the door knock if I just sight read. Yeah. And then the guitar never came. So, Perfect. Well, there you go. And, you know, it, we have so many things at our fingertips now as guitar players with all of these cool apps and all of these cool devices and all this stuff that we can, you know, carry around an iPad with 10,000 pieces of sheet music on it. And be able at any like place that we've got our guitar on our back at a park or something, just sit down and just start working on sight reading. Yet it's something I feel like a lot of us don't prioritize. And I see this as a teacher, you know, I, my students who range in beginner to intermediate to pre-professional and professional musicians across the board, there is not a demographic or level that stands out in wanting to do any sight reading, you know, and and I think it starts as a teacher when you're teaching somebody, showing them um, the kind of progress that you can make and how actually exciting it can be when you feel like you can measure something out um, when it comes to sight reading. Because if you're not measuring how well or how challenged you are by sight reading, it's kind of an endless vat, right, Perry? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can see marked progress when you dedicate some time in your practice routine to sight reading and that is I think is really rewarding uh, as a as a player when you can kind of see yourself building on something it also really helps even out your playing too you know I remember John we talked about this a long time ago it's like if you can get into sight reading and kind of get bitten by that bug it really will help your playing you know because there's so many resources I have some that I'm, I'm going to share some of the books that have really helped me um, but yeah, that just, it helps your playing, you know? 
It sure does. I mean, everything from your technique, of course, with both right and left hand and the pick and the fingers, okay, to the type of guitar you're playing, because we sight read a little bit differently on some instruments or some instruments have a wider range. So we might be reading more ledger notes, uh, ledger lines, right? All the way up to when we're improvising as jazz musicians, becoming more melodic as players, because mm -hmm. we might be visualizing something that we read, even if it's subconsciously. I find that the more sheet music I'm reading as a jazz player, the more melodic my solos mm -hmm. are versus if I'm always just playing stuff off the top of my head or always just kind of improvising or playing tunes, sometimes I get a little heady with my playing. And if I were to say, try to transcribe what I'm playing, it would be a little bit more messy and not as organized. Do you find that, Will, sometimes with, with your playing too, that you listen back when you're in periods of sight reading and you're more melodic? Definitely. I think because, you know, the music is performing for you, but you're playing it. It's it's kind of a unique thing that you only get out of sight reading. So it's, I mean, I would deem it essential to artistry. Right. Well, now here's a question I got for you guys. And I did a little homework this morning before this episode because it's, a, it's an important episode. Um, but I found an article that was published um, by a man who did a DMA in classical guitar studies somewhere. And, and I'm, I'm curious, okay, Perry and Will, I'll have you guys answer this question. On average, how many places can you play a note on the guitar in oh. terms of the exact register? So mm -hmm. what's that mm -hmm. average? Is it? It changes based on the particular note, but like, yes, you know, you can play an octave above middle C in three different places on the guitar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, yeah, so apparently on average across the entire range of the guitar, because obviously with the low six string with low E, that's the only place we can play that note on the guitar. And our highest note on the instrument, that's the only place we can play that. But for everywhere else on the fretboard, on average, each note has 2.8 places on the neck where it can be played again in the exact same register. So yeah, it's, it's about three or, or just under three if you include kind of the minimum and maximum. So... I think when it comes to sight reading, and this is my opinion here, one of the biggest challenges that we face is that we're not, A, we're not a monophonic instrument, and also our instrument can play the same note in so many different places. I mean, three different places on the instrument, you know, saxophone players have trigger fingers or trill fingers or uh, other fingerings they can play often a couple times, but I mean, for every single note that the instrument can play almost three times on the neck. So I find that to be one of the biggest challenges for me is where do I play on the neck when I sight read? Um, you know, and to start off with this episode, I'm curious, Will, um, what do you think is like the biggest challenge you face with sight reading? Is it how many places you can play the note? Is it you're mm. controlling your left and yeah. your right hand and syncing it up and making it sound like you're actually playing the music? I'm, I'm just curious to pick both of your guys' brains on that. My biggest challenge um, is really nailing dynamics and articulation while sight reading. Um, mm. Maybe it's maybe it just was never. I, that's the thing that I always have to remind myself. Oh wait a minute. Okay, that's pianissimo. Oh, Christian. Are you, are you supposed to play dynamics when you're sight reading? Is that is that even required <laughs> well, as a guitar you know, player? I just like yeah, to exactly, the tracks. Right? You know. But like <laughs> you know, playing in in Gordon Goodwin's big fat band, you know. You listen to those solis that the horns are doing, and maybe I'll have some of it. And you and horn players are so like programmed; it's amazing the way that ensemble players can play together. And it's just a good reminder. It's a humbling reminder. Like, oh man, dynamics and articulation. 
can literally change a piece. So that's the hardest part for me. And, and you know, I think really nailing a string of eighth notes with chromaticism at a metronome pulse is hard for anyone. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That's accidentals. Good. Yeah. yeah, what about you, Perry? Um, I guess it would be the different different keys, just registering the notes when you're playing in like G flat or D flat. And um, it reminds me of a fun, funny story about accidentals. Um, I once checked into the, a hotel and I was, uh, she said, yeah, uh, I just need your credit card. I said, oh, the room's already paid for it. She said, you know, just in case. And I said, oh, for accidentals. And she looked at me, she's like, incidentals? And I was like, that, yeah, that's right. That's right. Incidentals. We don't so, house jazz guitarists here. We have, yeah, we have too many things going on in our brain for music that it just flows into other areas of, of our life. But yeah, accidentals are tricky, man. Like all of a sudden people are writing, you know, F flat. And I'm like, come on, give me a break. And mm-hmm. one other challenge that I was faced with a little bit when I moved to New York is that there's like this expectation that guitar players should read bass clef, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of great sight readers necessarily on the jazz scene in New York for guitar all the time. But it is something that you encounter all the time because people are like, oh, here's a part, just read it. Here's the bass clef. Just, it's like, yeah, oh, score. okay. So that's not even getting into transposing when you're reading, which is a whole thing that is so difficult. Um, but yeah. Yeah, challenges. and you're, you're hitting on a lot of the topics that today I wanted to bullet point for all the listeners because, you know, measuring how we're sight reading and measuring the areas, whether it's maybe sight reading rhythm specifically or sight reading range, you know, sight yeah. reading things in a certain area or sight reading multiple notes. All of these things can actually be broken down when we're practicing and you can yeah. say, okay, today I'm going to sight read and work on something rhythmic. And there's many like rudimental snare drum books out there. You can get studying rhythm is a great book that we used at USC in the advanced oral skills class that has all sorts of polyrhythmic patterns um, and a couple other books that, that we're going to talk about today. So yeah. And for me too, I think the, the most challenging thing with, with the sight reading is deciding and committing to a position on the neck that is going to be kind of the average area that I might read something for a certain phrase, mm-hmm. because so much of sight reading for me is getting off on the right foot. If I mess up, then I start, you know, kind of keeping track in my head that I'm messing up. And before you know it, it's just an avalanche of errors for me. But if I can get in a good groove with my sight reading, oftentimes I can really execute lines really well. So to, to move on here and to share with some audience, just kind of some ways to start attacking a lot of this, um, before we all do a little sight reading for you guys today. Um, I find when teaching all levels of sight reading, whether it's a beginner who's maybe six or seven years old and only read some tablature or learned by ear all the way up to a professional, have a really good method book that you can follow along for a while. And the, the number one book that I love recommending is the one that Bill Levitt wrote, Modern Method for Guitar, Volumes 1, 2, and 3. Have you guys both got that book? I'm a Mel Bay guy myself. I don't actually know this one. Yeah. I, I know yeah. the Levitt book. I have some of his um, reading studies for guitar. Um, I have the advanced reading, the melodic rhythms, and just the sort of intro to reading uh, for guitar for Bill Levitt books. So I think those are slightly yeah. different than what, you're t- than what you're talking about, John, as far as the method book is concerned. But I definitely recommend that. Um, I do have it through a subscription I have described. So I've, yeah. I've checked it out sometimes through teaching. But yeah, it's, it's a classic book, really important. <laughs> 
Yeah, and Bill Levitt, for those who don't know, was the man who really started the Berkeley guitar program in Boston in the 1950s. So he's considered to be kind of like an Andre Segovia figure for commercial guitar players. Um, and, you know, out here in California, Perry and I went to USC and, you know, Duke Miller and Paula Rose, you know, we heard Lee Rittenauer in season one ep- mentioned those guys and Mitch Holder also mentioned those guys as being kind of the gurus out here. And, you know, they influenced Howard Roberts to kind of start the guitar school, GIT, and every school kind of had its method, but Levitt kind of has become the one that is seems to be the industry standard because we learned at, at USC they had the Levitt books floating around, and a lot of colleges now that's kind of the standard sight-reading book that they use, and the thing I love about it is that he sets up volume one so basic, first position, first three frets, no sharps, no flats, quarter notes, whole notes, and half notes. And by the time you get to volume three, you're reading chord shapes, you're reading multiple guitar lines, grand staff, as you mentioned, Perry, reading bass clef is so important. So I think every listener out there should go pick up that book. It's like 25 bucks on Amazon. And another one that he wrote that I really like for sight reading is Melodic Rhythms for Guitar. Yeah. And the thing that's great about that is that Levitt divides it up with picking so he says okay we're gonna pick subdivisions in a bar of four four with down up one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and so that the rests match the picking and that's something that we can't get out of a lot of just general music type of notation us guitarists kind of have to unlock that you know do you find do you find that perry too when you're sight reading something that isn't necessarily guitar repertoire that you know we sort of lock in our, if we're doing alternate picking, lock the meter in with the picking that we're using. Yeah, that's a huge help uh, when it comes to trying to get through a piece when you're sight reading. I have that exact book, John. Um, mm-hmm. One of them I was going to share with you, but I think this is the one you're talking about, The Melodic Rhythms uh, for mm-hmm. Guitar, a great book for sight reading. You know, yep. And it's also, you'd probably agree here, but it's also just a good way to warm up too. Like if you're mm-hmm. just trying to, get into the zone for a gig you got coming up or keep your chops up for the day. Yeah. Sight reading some stuff is a good way to get your fingers loose and and challenge yourself. So yeah, exactly. And a good way to sort of flex a muscle on a different instrument, right? Which for me, I'm primarily playing electric archtop guitars and acoustic guitar. So picking up the classical guitar can be an awesome way to sort of humble yourself and start the day. And I don't know if you guys have done any classical guitar sight reading methods, but my very favorite one is solo guitar playing by Frederick Node. And this was a book that Jim Smith, our mentor at USC, who was kind of a guru of classical guitar, said was the greatest sight reading book ever for classical guitar. Uh, And there's all sorts of etudes. In fact, I photocopied one. Sorry, Frederick Node. I hope you're not rolling over in your grave. Um, I PDF'd it and scanned it to Perry. And uh, hey, Perry, why don't you sight read that for the listeners right now on your ES-175? Again, Node rolling over in his grave like that. But you know, then you can Um, sell it as an NFT. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want me to share a screen here? Should I do that? Whatever floats your boat. I mean, most of our listeners are checking out the podcast, but if you subscribe to us on Patreon, you can see what Perry's about to show you. Everybody. Dig? So okay. hint, hint, hint. Here, here it is. All right. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, all right. I'm going to just jump right into it. Wish me Let's go luck. It. Oh, God. Remember, go slow. Go slow. That's what she said. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Thank you. 
100%. Yeah, I mean, that and, wasn't and, too hard. I mean, that that's yeah. that's a great exercise for sure. Um, and it reminded me of one thing that I did in the middle when I think I played uh, an A bass note when I was supposed to play a C bass note. And I recognized it immediately, but it reminded myself to just fake it and just keep going because actually back in the day, um, John probably remembers this, but I uh, briefly dated like a, a Taiwanese piano player, a classical piano player who was like probably one of the baddest, and I mean bad by good, like yeah. one of the best sight readers I've ever come across. Like you've met some of those classical piano players that can just sight read things that would put us to shame. And one time I asked her, I was like, how are you, how are you doing that? And she's like, you want to know a little secret? She's like, sometimes I'm just faking it. She's like, sometimes I get to a passage and I don't totally have it, but the singer doesn't know the difference. She would accompany a lot. And so yep. there is a thing to that with sight reading. Like when you're, when you're, when the red light's on and you're doing the gig, like sometimes you just got to get through it, you know? And if you let a little mess up hang you up, it's going to, it's going to unravel into a much bigger mistake. So that's right. Two things I like to try and do with sight reading, just kind of keep going, keep the train going. And also the second tip is look ahead. You'd be mm -hmm. surprised how many people get too focused on what they're playing when they've already registered that in their mind. And the best thing they can do is actually try to look two or three beats ahead to where they're going, and it'll just kind of anticipate um, and their fingers and, and where they're headed a little bit more and, and make the um, make the sight reading that much more uh, uh, accurate, I think. That's right. That's right. And you know who else said kind of fake it a little bit is Tommy Tedesco. You know, oh, he right. talked a lot about even being in sessions with John Williams and Johnny Mandel. I mean, these amazing composers. And some of them would write things that were actually impossible to play on guitar. And he would be reading cue after cue after cue. And part of his thing was you look at it and you find those parts that you know you're, you're going to have to kind of fake it. You're going to have to kind of make your way through it. And Tommy is considered to be one of the greatest sight readers in history on our instrument, too. And right. it's because of having that notion, I think a lot of great readers and session players develop that. Of course, if we're going to record a track like 100% accurate, there might be an opportunity to ask the composer like, hey, this measure, what should we do here? Because this is going to be a little tricky or Im impossible right. to play. Yeah. Right. And, and keep um, in mind, when I'm saying faking it, I, I'm talking about like you're still getting the general harmony and the general rhythm and all, but there might be a few notes that are different that you just kind of roll through in the moment. Not ideal for recording, of course, but right. yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. This reminds me of when I taught grade school guitar. When Guitar Hero got popular, my kids wanted to sight read because they wanted to have that gamification on the instrument that they got from the game Guitar Hero. And a big part of Guitar Hero is you're seeing the notes go by on the screen in this constant rolling motion. And I said, just look at the sheet music like that. Imagine that you're just going through it always ahead of where you're at and kind of follow the line, follow the range. So if you don't know the note you're going to, move your hand down if you see the line go down and move your hand up if the line is going up. And it's funny how that gamification can really inspire people to want do you, to inspire Do you know students. about the Musician app? Yeah. It's basically yeah. Guitar Hero for actual guitar and it's for doing actual musicians. Um, yeah. However, I, that's an interesting debate. Maybe we can get into that later in the podcast, but like, 
do you start people with tablature or something like musician where they're which is like guitar hero for guitar mm -hmm. as opposed to mm -hmm. standard notation like are you really making it easier in the long run it's that's a, that's a tough question to answer but yeah well actually let's save that for the end because that was something i thought that would be a great bullet point for today and okay. to kind of leave our audience with okay because everyone approaches this differently and we all have different needs for reading too right. i mean we're jazz players so we have to read a lot of different kinds of stuff classical guitar players oftentimes read a certain kind of repertoire mm -hmm. and metal players or rock players might be reading a certain thing that is pr predominantly tablature in, in their world right. which is interesting we develop these these techniques. Um, how about we take it over to Will now? Yes. And I emailed Will yeah. something to sight read. And this is more from a genre specific type of material that we're going to read as a jazz player, like a transcription, for example. And um, this is my favorite stuff to sight read. I love sitting down and just reading omnibook stuff or transcriptions. Um, there's some seriously great Patreons out there for transcriptions right now. My favorite one is Joe Bag. My compadre in the Jeff Goldblum band is doing all these transcriptions every week, and I'll go through and sight read a lot of those. But this is out of the Jazz Conception book by Jim Snydero, which was a big help to me in high school. It was before I learned how to transcribe, and they're just basically contrafacts. Yeah. So I think I sent you the one yes. that's for Take the A Train. Can we screen share mine, or can you allow me to screen share? Yeah, I can allow you. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> and go ahead. again, for those who'd like to see the screen share, visit us at Patreon. Where do I screen share at? Oh, man, we need to give Will a Zoom tutorial. <laughs> no, thank you. Wait, how do I do it, though? Seriously. Share First screen. You start with the green <laughs> square that says share screen. Oh, no. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it, then. Just play it. After you get permission from the... Where's the share screen at? I'll, I'll share your screen, because I, oh. have, I have it right here. I'm gonna, oh, yeah. Oh, great. Okay. I'm going to do it. There All right, go. this is for the Patreon people. Nice. Okay. Ready? Count me. Well, actually, don't count me off because I'm going to be off tempo. One, two, one, two, three. Work. I was probably under tempo if if it was half note as ninety, but I didn't hear nice any, I didn't hear any dynamics though. Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, guitarists don't use dynamics. Hey, I just play as loud it. as I can hey, at all. No, times. that was good, man. I I remember that. I have. It's also one of the books I was going to recommend here. So mm -hmm. we're on the yeah, same page. Yeah, and do you guys, um, you know, uh, do, excuse me, do you remember like back in high school? 
Um, I assumed, um, Will, did you play in your big band mm-hmm. at school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I found that like, that was some of the first time that I was sight reading with other people yeah. and sight reading stuff that was supposed to be at like high school level on an instrument. And like you said, Perry, it's like so many of these, or Will, so many of these horn players are just blowing through this stuff. And as guitar, I'm looking, I'm like, man, there's yeah. accidentals. It's all up the neck. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, this is, this is a lot harder. And, you know, I played clarinet in high school when I reached my apex of popularity. And, of uh, <laughs> that was a pun by the way. And, um, learning clarinet really helped me sight read because I was reading single notes on that instrument and it helped me just digest more musical pages mm-hmm. so that when I read them on the guitar, it was a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find that too, Perry, that playing in a large ensemble helped you with your sight reading early on? Yeah. You know, you get in big band when you're in high school or whatever, and it's like, Oh shit, I got to read this line with the horns. Um, that's mm-hmm. sort of terrifying, but I yep. think this also goes down to, you know, why guitar players struggle with it because we're not often put in that position as often as, piano player would be or a horn player would be so we're often given the chords quite a bit more for obvious reason but if you're studying classical guitar or if you're trying to commit to sight reading as a jazz guitar player um, it will really help especially the earlier you can do it Um, I've noticed that people who are really good at sight reading early on like yourself John or or our friend Eric Hammer was really good at sight reading early on I remember asking him about that. He was like, oh, yeah, I played trumpet for the first couple of years. And then you just kind of get this like foundation of sight reading, um, which can really give you an advantage. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, can I quickly share the books that I had that have sure, helped me? That. I'll just show them up on the screen here. Please. Yeah. We talked about the Bill Levitt uh, melodic rhythms for guitar. Um, I've also got the reading studies, which is really good. And the advanced reading studies for guitar, which I really like. Um, Two others that may be a little less known, the Lenny Niehaus plays the blues one, Mm -hmm. which is really awesome. Also the Barry Galbraith, uh, the fingerboard workout is great. Um, And then two or three others here. Um, Rhythmic Training, John, we talked about this one. And then also, John, you also talked about the Jazz Conception book by Jim Snydero. I'd also add the Omni book to that. But man, the Omnibook is really hard to sight read uh, yes. on guitar. But it definitely gets you into some like lower registers on the guitar, just the way that it's written. That's another no factor of um, sight reading as a guitar player is that oftentimes we need to read an octave up from what's written. So mm-hmm. that is another unique challenge with guitar. I don't know if yeah, you you're you're one step that. ahead of me with a couple of these things because that was kind of my my next topic with what I have to sight read yeah. today. And in fact, I emailed you, Perry. Uh, how about you do the fancy dancy screen share, share screen yeah. for our Patreon followers. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this lead sheet that I sent off and where it comes from. Okay. Let me pull this up. Boom. Here it is. All right. Oh yeah. Charles, Lo- I, I love this tune. It's a great tune, but I don't know it. And I'm okay. not, and I p- picked it out of the real book because it looks like a typical real book kind of chart. Now, um, let me give it a shot here. I'm just going to first try to play the melody relatively in a slower tempo. And I am going to try to read this an octave higher. Yeah. Okay. And I'll explain why to our listeners afterwards. So a one, a two, a one, two, th- a, a one, two. Mm-hmm. 
So that's the first time through the head. And sometimes when we read real book charts, we have to combine the chords while we're playing the melody. Right. For instance, if we're on a gig with somebody and they're like, hey, let's play this tune. Again, we don't often see real book charts these days on, on our gigs, but a lot of younger jazz players might see that. So you might have to do something like this. One, two. That's another real book skill. And finally, oftentimes, the, I would say the easiest thing to do, and I don't have to demonstrate this necessarily, is just read the chords. Three, four. And my goal when I'm sight reading chords, especially with, say, a tenor player or a vocalist, is to make sure that I'm staying out of the range of the melody. Now, for us guitar players, we are a transposing instrument. The guitar sounds an octave higher than it's written, which is often confusing to a lot of people because if a pianist read this, they would be playing in this range, right? But on guitar, it is, right? So we actually transpose at the octave. And there's very few instruments that do that. The flute kind of does that. And the oboe tra does not transpose. It's one of the instruments that reads in concert pitch. And when it plays the notes on the page, it comes out as concert pitch. And the piano, of course. So anyway, you can, you can take away the screen share, Perry. But reading out of a real book is a whole nother set of sight reading skills. And it's oftentimes one of the first things that we learn as jazz students in mm -hmm. college and many people who write their own tunes will write the tunes in this style so it will be on one stave generally a treble clef with a melody chord changes and the form in there so i'm curious just really quick to ask each of you mm -hmm. when you get a real book chart what's your pr or any kind of like lead sheet chart what's your kind of order of like okay check this box check this box check this box just really quick as scanning something before you playing it perry what how do you do that Definitely time signature and key change right away. That's got to be the first thing that you're looking at because when I don't do that, it always bites me in the ass. You know, I'm always just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not reading mm -hmm. the accidental correctly. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's a definitely a big one. And then I guess I just do a quick scan to kind of see if there's anywhere that's really going to hang me up, um, like any passage that might be a little hairy that I should just put my eyes on for five seconds because as you've talked about john sometimes it's as simple as like just knowing what position you're going to most successfully play a passage um mm -hmm. so yeah time signature uh key signature and then just a quick glance cool cool how about you will yeah definitely i think to hone in on your on your octave which is a great point john um i'll usually read it as it's written first just just as a baseline type of getting to know it and then definitely try to interpret it up an octave yeah. um also sometimes in real books the beaming is really funky like even mm -hmm. on a 12 bar blues there's like three bars per system um i'm a huge proponent of of marking four bar phrases as, with a long line with a pencil especially for sight reading um i always appreciate when cats bring charts that are beamed or if it's a three bar phrase 
that system only has three bars. Yes. You know, that's yeah. Huge. Having the justification proper. And that, that is really important. And these days, like if you have an, you know, we're doing so much electronically, like using iPads on gigs. So having like an iPad pro with a stylus where you can circle for me, if I have the time and if it's something I really want to get accurate or if it's at a fast tempo, I'll go through and just kind of circle some of the accidentals, not all of them, or even write in the fingering up on top, you know, one, three, one, three, one, two, one, two, and that'll help me be a little bit more accurate. And that's some things we can do to kind of pre-prepare ourselves or prepare ourselves uh, in order to to sight read. I'll add to what you guys said with real book charts is form. So mm. make sure that you know where the form repeats. Is it a common form like AABA or 16 bars or 12 bar blues? And that will help you with your sight reading as well. Um, so that, those are all things in terms of sight reading jazz charts. And the last thing too, in terms of just as we start wrapping up this episode, measuring what we're doing with sight reading for all the listeners, right? So we touched base on some topics and some specific ways of sight reading today, right? And some things that we can talk about that you can address in your practicing are, am I sight reading for 100% accuracy? Am mm. I sight reading to learn how to transpose? Am I sight reading for dynamics and articulation and musicianship to this song? Am, uh, am I looking at summing up a bass clef staff or a grand staff and figuring out how to make it work? on the guitar and can I break down my sight reading today with just the rhythms? Can I break down my sight reading with just chord sheets and chord lead sheets or reading two notes, three notes, etc.? And finally, do I have a method book that's helping me stay on track with my goals? Because again, the way we get excited about sight reading and feel like we're making improvements is that if we're measuring ourselves and really know like, man, I got through 50 pages of that book or I'm now in this position on the neck versus just this ominous feeling of like, oh, I got to work on my sight reading. Oh, my sight reading is not that great. So that's my biggest tip, you know, to add to that, Will and Perry, um, if you guys have other, other things before we debate our tab versus reading. <laughs> uh, well, Perry recommended some stuff. I'm sure you have stuff, John. I just wanted to list four books that I think are really great. Mm -hmm. uh, Patterns for Improvisation by Oliver Nelson, Jamie Abersold Publishing. Pat Metheny Guitar Etudes uh, by Hal Leonard. Really, really great kind of like eighth note workout. Um, Two-Part Inventions Arranged for Guitar, uh, published by Alfred Music. That's by Johannes Bach. And finally, the Violin Sonatas and Partitas, mm. especially the International Music Company publishing mm. version. Those are... You know, those those are sight reading, but they're also very based in like musical interpretation realm. So, yeah. Yes. Another great Bach resource, everybody, is the Jerry Willard transcriptions of the Bach lute suites for mm -hmm. guitar. Jerry Willard was like a Jim Smith kind of guy. He really pushed fingering on guitar to kind of the next level. And these books are flawless. They're so, so good. And they're difficult. These are really difficult pieces. So that... The Library of Guitar Classics, Volume 1 and 2. These are great for wedding gigs, just sight reading, like, basic stuff like Canon and D. And it's all, like, I would say if you have a high school student or North with their sight reading, this is great stuff for them to be working on on either classical guitar or electric guitar. How about you, Perry? Um, I don't really have any more tips. I feel like we've covered so many good things in this episode. I guess the only thing I would say is just don't be discouraged. You know, I mean, sight reading is something that can really add to your playing, but it's not, 
I hate to say this at the end of our episode, but it's not like absolutely necessary either. I mean, BB mm-hmm. King couldn't sight read. You know, mm-hmm. I know some really good guitar players that really struggle with sight reading. So mm-hmm. it's not to say that you shouldn't try, but it's also to say that don't be discouraged. Don't let it like hinder your your uh, inspiration to play and make music. But it That's really, really, really can help your playing overall. Yeah, and you know, j- this is also just to close out kind of our not necessarily debate, but discussion. Um, question about like investing time in sight reading versus just having tablature reading skills. I will say this of all the musicians professional that I've ever met that don't read. They all say they wish they read. They all said they wish they would have done it. George Benson has said that in interviews. Even George said Grant Green talked about wishing he could have read because all the guys around him could, well, a lot of guys around him could read. So I try to tell my students, don't take the approach of, well, my legend hero guy didn't read, so I'm not going to read. Mm-hmm. R- learn to read if you, if you have the time to make for it. Mm-hmm. And some people's path on our instrument doesn't involve reading. Some of them are just going to play completely by ear. But if you're somebody who's listening to the podcast and really trying to advance themselves, definitely spend some time getting a good coach who can teach you a good method, such as a private lesson on how to sight read. That's, that's my, my take on that. How about you, Will? Uh, I think tabs suck. That's my, um, (laughs) it is kind of embarrassing when I'm with a student and I'm trying to read a tab. Sometimes I'm worse at reading tablature than I am at standard notation. It's pretty funny. It's just pointless. But but tab, tab is very old. It goes back to playing the lute and you know, our instrument is visual. So I think there's some cool things about it, but we are at a point now where I, I feel like we should, if we're learning how to use apps on an iPhone and you know how to use like Ableton and Logic, you should know how to sight read. Absolutely. That's my opinion. Let's keep the sight Tap reading up. going. Um, yeah. But next week, tune in. We're going to be talking about guitar with vocals. And that's going to be led by Will Brom, who um, had one of my favorite quotes of <laughs> all time when it comes to uh, jazz vocalists. He said, jazz vocalists. Can't live with them, can't gig without them. I forgot about it. But that. I'm I'm getting married to one, so hey. Good luck, you know. John. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. I love it. I love being with a vocalist. Can't live with them, can't gig without them. I'll just never set her for PA system, ever. 